0: name it is. What a powerful experience we just had. Give it up one time for our worship band. I mean, literally ushered into the presence of the Lord. What a powerful name is the name of Jesus. And that that second song too, he will not fail. And I want you to remember those things, those two moments as we kind of talk about what we're going to talk about today. My name is Chris McLean. If you don't know me, if you're visiting here, welcome. Um, If you've been going here for a while, uh, welcome home. Uh, You know, it's good to see you guys as I look out uh, in the audience, I see a mixture, a lot under 30. When I was looking on the stage, I think everybody up here is under 40 on this stage. Uh, I've been feeling my age. I've been an elder here for about 15 years. Um, and when I first uh, took on that role, I, I really was uncomfortable with it. I was like an elder. I, I was—I felt young. So I used to joke and say I was a yelder, a young elder. Well, over the last year or two, I I've really have been feeling my age. And so if you folks that are over 40, you kind of know that too. You wake up and, and you just hurt. You know, you go to get out of bed. It just, it literally, it just hurts. If you're under 40, you don't understand what I'm talking about, but you will. Well, last week I felt my age too because Paul got up here and, and he started talking about all the young bucks that had been teaching in the weeks before. And I, I recognized immediately, he's not talking about me. He's talking about all these other people, and and it was kind of purposeful. He said, hey, Chris, I I want to speak this week. I was supposed to speak last week, and he said, no, I want to speak this week. You you take next week, and I said, okay, and so I got in here, and immediately he launches into this Young Bucks thing, and I thought, oh, man, is that why he wanted me to wait? (laughs) Because he really couldn't link me in with those. So feeling my age, uh, I wish that I could tell you this morning I didn't feel my age, but I did because I was talking to my wife, Stacy, who, who many of you know, and And I was telling her, you know, I may change up my notes a little bit. I feel like the Lord's telling me to do something maybe a little different. I said I'm going to take my Bible up there because I might actually read from the Bible. And she said, "Oh, are you sure?" I said, "Yeah. I mean, it's the Word of God. Yeah." She, no, no, but are you going to be able to read from the Bible on stage without glasses? And I said, "Well, I don't know. I'm going to try." So I actually am going to veer a little bit from my notes. I want to read. It's a verse that's in the notes at the end. But I think with the worship moment that we just had and, and what the Lord's been laying on my heart the last couple days as I really refine this for you guys, I wanna, I wanna read this verse to you because this really is the tone for the whole message. And I think it's the tone to put into context the messages that we've been hearing over the last five or six weeks. And so I'm gonna read this if I can from the Bible. If not, I have my large print notes next to me. Come to me. So this is Matthew chapter 11 28, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So think about that as we kind of go through this today. You know, this is kind of in context with what we've been speaking about these last few weeks, these plot lines. I have really enjoyed this series and I hope you have too, I tend to be very thematic in the way that I think about things and the way that I live my life. And I've actually thought about this plotline series, and I think it's really appropriately named because I've thought of it as you, what are plot lines? where these things, as you chart your course, they kinda, they're vectors that affect where you're going. And I've thought about each one of these themes that we've listened to and we've dove into that are kind of directional forces on our life, right? So they're the big themes of your faith, that are intended to impact the direction of your life and the direction that your faith goes and the way the Lord calls you to live out your life. And I've really enjoyed that because we've got to think about these big topics like being the image bearer of God. I mean, that's a big deal. When you realize that God has created us to bear his image and to wave his flag amongst all the people or to be a temple of the Holy Spirit. How humbling is that? To think that the spirit of God not just lives around you and not just interacts with you, but literally lives within you. As a believer in Christ, the Spirit of God lives within you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. And in the last few weeks, we've been, I don't know about you, but I've been challenged. You know, when we think about encountering tests of our faith, that's challenging to me. When we think about the challenge to rise up and to be a priesthood, and into the priesthood, that call to be a priest to the world around us, that's challenging to me. Like I said before, I'm feeling my age. I'm feeling that I don't have the power to do that. And then last week, that call to be generous, that he's been generous to us, and so then he calls us to go out and be generous to the world. Those are challenging messages, challenging themes that are intended to impact the trajectory of your life. And today is going to be no different. It's going to be a little bit of challenge in there. But the the benefit of today, today we're going to deal with this topic of Sabbath. And I think hope what you're going to see is that if we can rise up to this Sabbath idea, to the process of Sabbath, that what you're going to see is that Lord has given you a way to counter all those challenges that you feel over those other weeks. Those weeks where it just feels too daunting or what the Lord may be asking you to rise up and be a priest. That feels very daunting to me because I'm fully aware of all my faults. And so to present myself as a priest among other people is is very intimidating. But I think today, hopefully what you're gonna see is the Lord has given you a way. The Lord has given you a way and it's through this thing called Sabbath. And I know when you think about Sabbath, you you think Old Testament, and you think about it's its kind of steeped in regulation, you can do this, you can't do that, you got better not do this, if you bundle those sticks, we're going to kill you. You know, all these things that don't really make a lot of sense to us. You, you read those Sabbath decrees in the Old Testament and you say, Lord, what are you doing here? Why are you making, what's the big deal? If I bundle sticks, what's the big deal? And I know it can you can get caught up in that, but what we do recognize is that it is, it is a moment of rest that the Lord is intending to show us, and he, and he does, and we'll see it in just a minute, that he's worked this idea of rest into the creation story and into our story. And lately, we've seen that even science catches up with this, right? So it's really neat to me, you know, for years, there was this, this kind of paradigm of science against God. And I know Paul has wrestled through a lot of that, and uh, Pastor Paul, and, he, and he's helped me with some of that too. And, and I'm a scientist, so, so I'm, I deeply am committed to the idea of observation and science and to kind of observing the, the world around us so that we can understand the why and the how of how it works. And it's been really neat over the past couple decades, we've been looking into rest, and science now has kind of said, yes, if you rest properly, uh, you do better. And we know that if you get the proper amount of rest at night, uh, the average person who gets the adequate rest at night will will live seven years longer. That's if we look back and observe, those people who rest, you know, a good seven, eight hours a night tend to live seven years longer than everybody else. We've also recently, this has been over the last four or five years, been really diving into this idea of Sabbath and this, this idea of one day a week. And what's been interesting in that, and this has kind of come about when we've been trying to tackle these idea of well-being and, and mental wellness and physical wellness. You know, as you deal with the, all the stresses around in our community, in the medical community, this has been a big topic. How do we encourage people to be well? Uh, and what they've noticed is that that one day a week of rest is very beneficial. And what's interesting is that especially when it's, t- when it's tied along to a relig- religious observance, that it's even more impactful, that we see things like physical wellness is better. Some of the metrics we measure physical wellness with improve with a day of rest tied to a religious observance. That mental wellness, we have these different ways of scoring uh, mental health and scoring your, your acuity and your cognition, and all of those things get better with, along with those folks who observe this religious Sabbath or this religious day of rest. And so it's really neat to me when science finally catches up with the Creator right? You got the the God of all creation who started all this, who who pinned his intention uh, into creation, and now we're finally observing that. So that's really neat to see those two things come together. And so we're going to jump into this today, and I hope what you pull out today is that you can see some intentionality of God in this idea of Sabbath. So let's watch this video from the Bible Project to kind of get us jump started.
1: The number seven is a big deal in the Bible. Yeah, in biblical Hebrew, the word seven is connected to the idea of fullness or completeness. And that's something we all long for but don't often experience.
2: Instead, we find ourselves working endlessly, fighting back chaos with no real rest.
1: Yes. Now keep all that in mind as we turn to Genesis 1 in the Bible. It begins with darkness and disorder, but then God speaks to bring about light and order so that life can flourish.
2: And this happens over the course of six days.
1: Each day is marked with the phrase, there was evening and there was morning. But on the seventh day, something special happens. God stops and rests. Right. Creation is brought to its completion on the seventh day. And that phrase, there was evening and there was morning, it doesn't appear on day seven. It's like a day with no end. On the seventh day, God's presence fills his creation. The land provides for all of God's creatures, including humans, who are appointed to rule the world with God forever. Kings and queens of the seventh day rest. I can get into that. But the humans are deceived by a dark power and they forfeit that rest. They are exiled into the wilderness where they have to work as slaves to the land. Until they die and return to the dust from which they came. But God wants to restore humanity back to that seventh day rest. So he chooses to give the family of Israel that experience of ultimate rest so they can share it with others. But how? They are in Egypt, slaves to an oppressive empire who is grinding them into the dust. So God confronts Egypt and liberates the Israelites, taking them through the darkness and chaos on the way to the promised land.
2: Now while they are on their way, they find themselves in the
1: wilderness. It's easy to get lost. Life is a struggle. They're not in the land of rest yet. But while they're on the way, God invites them in the wilderness to start living as if they're in the promised land. But how do you practice the future rest in the wilderness? Well, God tells them that every seventh day they are to stop their work, or in Hebrew, to Shabbat, so that they can rest and enjoy God's good world. So, take a whole day to live as if the ultimate rest has already come. Yeah, this is the Sabbath, celebrated every week on the seventh day. But there's more. The Sabbath is just one of seven festivals that Israel practiced every year, each one anticipating that seventh day rest. That is a lot of sevens. And there's even more. Every seven years, the Israelites were to liberate slaves, forgive debts, and let the land rest for a whole year. And then, Every seven times seven years was the ultimate seventh day rest called the year of Jubilee. If anyone had lost their land or gone into debt, all was forgiven, everything restored. Wow, so the Sabbath, these feasts, the year of Jubilee, it's all pointing towards the hope of future rest. Right. Now, when the Israelites went into the land, they forgot their God, and so they forfeited their chance for rest in the promised land. They're exiled
2: and enslaved again by an oppressive nation, led back into a world of chaos and
1: disorder. But Israel's prophets said that their exile would end one day and that the ultimate jubilee of freedom and rest would come, but generations go by and they're still waiting. It's at this dark point in the story that Jesus appears and he launches
2: his public mission on a Sabbath day.
1: Yeah, he read aloud from the scroll of Isaiah saying that it was time for all captives and slaves to be released because this was the year of the Lord's favor. What did he mean, this is the year of the Lord's favor? He was talking about the ultimate Jubilee. Also, Jesus is claiming that seventh day rest would come through him. Right, he said that he was the Lord of the Sabbath and he confronted disorder and darkness and all of its forms, liberating people from sickness, sin, even from death itself. Yet, Jesus was killed, so even his work was undone. Well, it seemed that way. But notice, Jesus timed his death to take place at the end of the week. His body rested in a tomb during the Sabbath and on the eighth day, he rose from the dead. Oh wait, the eighth day? You mean the first day of a new week? Exactly. Jesus' resurrection was like the first day of a new creation, where God's light and life broke into the darkness. So because of the resurrection,
2: we have hope in God's promise of future rest. But we're not there
1: yet. It's like we're still in the wilderness where we experience struggle and pain. But as we journey towards that ultimate seventh day, Jesus invites us to experience a taste of real rest now by following him, or in his words, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest.
0: So there you hear it again, that Jesus referencing himself as that seventh day rest and, and that entering into relationship with him is how we achieve that so i hope through that video and through our talk today we can kind of focus on three key issues around sabbath because sabbath is one of those things that you know at least in in my upbringing in the church and and early in my faith wasn't talked a whole lot i, I didn't i didn't talk about this much or i wasn't taught it much it wasn't until about nine years ago when the lord really convicted me uh, of it. I was, I was doing some work at my house and I had some friends over uh, to, to help me. And as, as they left, I was, uh, the Lord really impressed upon me. He said, hey, do you know if today was their day of Sabbath? And, uh, and so that really, he challenged me with, with understanding Sabbath and kind of really holding it in reverence. And so since that time, I've been off and on trying to tweak what I do on my Sabbath experience to, to honor him and to understand why. And so through the video and through the talk today, I hope there's three things that we can focus on. One is the priority of Sabbath. Is it a priority? And should we engage it? Uh, number two, what is the process of Sabbath? Uh, and then number three, what's the purpose? Uh, what should we be doing on that day of of Sabbath. And so if you go back in the Old Testament and you look at why this came about, and, and they make a reference to it here, you can see that even in creation, the Lord didn't have to do everything in six days and then on the seventh day rest. He didn't have to do that. He could do whatever he wanted. He certainly didn't need rest. You know, the Lord is all-powerful. He doesn't need rest. And so that idea that he wove that into the creation story should should tell us something. And then as you see, when as they mentioned, when God brought the nation of israel out of captivity in egypt and he brought them out into the journey into the into the desert he began to show them how to live and how to do these things under under his banner and he takes moses and and you can see in exodus chapters 20 through 31 he calls Moses up onto the mountain, and for 40 days and 40 nights, he goes into painstaking detail with Moses of, here are the things you should do. This is what the nation of Israel should look like. This is what my people should look like to the nations around them. And he talks about things, about the Ten Commandments, and we all know those, and how the first three commandments, he talks about how we, how we approach God, and then the fourth is, is honoring the Sabbath, and the, and the last six talk about how we interact with the world around us and with man around us. And for those times of explanation, he explains everything down to the smallest detail, like the altar and the tabernacle. And he talks about the Ark of the Covenant and the composition of the oil. I mean, he goes into the, to the detail of describing the oil that they will use for healing and the oil that they would use to, to burn in the lamps inside the tabernacle. And then at the end, he talks about the clothing the priests will, for an entire chapter, he talks about the clothes that the priests will wear. And then when he's done with all that and he's explained these things in detail to Moses and Moses says, okay, Lord, I've got this. Right before he's going down back to the nation of Israel to explain all these things to him, God says, wait, stop. I want you to know this. And this is Exodus 31. He says, you are to, and this is God's words now to Moses. You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. And so if you think back that, the Lord's telling him, he's told Moses all these things, go do all these things. This is what it looks like to be in the nation of Israel. This is what it looks like to be my people, a people called after my name. And then he says, wait, before you go tell them all that, I need you to get this one thing. I need you to understand this just this one thing, honor the Sabbath. And then I'm going to sanctify you through honoring the Sabbath so that you can achieve all those other things that I've told you. You want to get the other nine right? I need you to do this one right. I need you to honor my Sabbath. And as the video kind of showed you, and and I've been saying too, God has woven this idea of the Sabbath. It's not just a day of rest. It's not just a day of idleness or or to put off work. It's actually woven into the rhythm of creation, both into the seventh day of creation, and then he tells the nation of Israel to honor it on the seventh day of every week. And then he says, there's going to be seven festivals that I want you to do. And what are the festivals to do? Well, those are celebrations of the Lord's provision. Again, you know, kind of a symbol of what the Lord is ultimately going to be providing later. And then if you think about that seventh, seven, or the seven years, the sabbatical, where we get the word sabbatical, that's where the, the Lord told the nation of Israel to rest the land. So after you'd plant for six years and then you'd give the land a, a year off. And on that seventh year, you would forgive debts and people would be made free of their debts. And then you'd have the seventh, seven year, that year of Jubilee, which was the, the ultimate freedom. The ultimate display of freedom from rule and regulation and maybe past mistakes because all debt was forgiven, the land was rested there would be they wouldn't harvest uh, from the fields uh, and then also any land that was taken in exchange of debt would be reverted back to the original ownership and so this was kind of the ultimate manifestation of freedom. For the Jewish people. And even Jesus proclaimed that when Jesus stepped on up to the altar, uh, you know, into the, in the synagogue when he was initiating his ministry, he quoted Isaiah 61, which is that, that passage about ultimate freedom. So we see through all of this, this idea of the seventh day rest or the rest that, that Christ brings um, is above all. So the priority here, should we obey the Sabbath, clearly the Lord is conveying to us above all else honor the Sabbath. So in case you think this is only Old Testament, I wanted to say, well, what, is, what does Jesus say about the Sabbath? How does he tell us to interact with it? And just after that scripture that I read earlier in Matthew 11, just after that, Jesus walks into a field and he's confronted by the Pharisees about the Sabbath. So this is Matthew 12, and it says, at that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath and his disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. And he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and those who were with him, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read the law, how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath, but are guiltless? I tell you something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the guiltless, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So what's he saying here? He had an ample opportunity to tell the Pharisees, no, we don't need to obey the Sabbath, that I've come to bring a new way. But remember, he said he didn't come to destroy the law and the prophets. He came to, to, to fulfill them. And he's saying here, I didn't come to abolish the Sabbath. I'm just trying to get you to think of it rightly. The Sabbath is about the Son of Man. The Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. He is the point of the Sabbath. He, wants to, he does rebuke them a little bit here, right? But he rebukes them about their legalism, about how they're exercising the process of the Sabbath and that they don't understand it. That, that verse he quotes where he says, I desire mercy and not sacrifice, that goes back to Hosea. That's one of the prophetic verses in the Old Testament, again, that was talking about the coming of the Messiah, and so Jesus is saying, if you had just understood who I am, that I'm the Lord of the Sabbath and that it's all about me. And so he's helping us to understand that there is a, a right process. There's a right, right way to deal with this. It is about keeping it holy. And it is about 24 hours dedicated, but it's 24 hours not dedicated away from work. It's 24 hours dedicated to the Lord. And I think to do that, you know, to rightly process this, It does, you do have to take this seriously. You do have to be very intentional about it. And the Old Testament kind of paints that picture that that you have to think about the other days of the week, the other six, so that you can get what you need to get done in those six days. And you don't see Jesus saying anything about that. You don't see Jesus refuting that. But instead he refutes, you know, kind of what they're how they're implementing it and what they think is important. And here Jesus says he's the is the the very Lord of the Sabbath that ushers them into this eternal rest. And he says, it's all about me. And the Apostle Paul says the same thing. If you put this in context, and this is in Colossians. At the time, Paul was dealing with a lot of factions within the early faith. There were some, some of the Jews who had, who had become Christians were really challenging this idea of, of a little bit of change that they saw in their culture. And the, the early Christians started to honor the Sunday or the, the eighth day um, as the Sabbath, the holy day and and others wanted to know let's keep it to the seventh day and let's honor that. And there was a lot of friction going back and forth about how to operate in this new faith. And Paul addresses that in Colossians 2:16. He says, "Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to festival or new moon or sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ." And when scholars have looked into what Paul was saying and why he mentioned uh, the, the festival and the new moons and the Sabbath, when those three things are mentioned together in the Old Testament, typically what they 're talking about is that culture, the cultural observance of these festivals and so Paul was using that to remind them that some of the things they do is just is just cultural it 's not really from the lord and what he 's saying is what 's really important is what 's from the Lord is the substance belongs to christ so again he 's going back to what is the purpose. Uh, and here we see the purpose is actually Christ. It's, the purpose is to rest and abide in Christ. And that gets us really the whole teaching about today. Should we, should we honor the Sabbath? How do we do it? And then what's the point? And the point really is to abide in Christ. They were refuting the process by which the Pharisees were telling them to observe the Sabbath, but not really the substance what they, were saying, what they were saying is they didn't want the observation without the adoration, that the point is to adore Christ and to be in relationship with him, that they didn't want the performance without the purpose to be known, that they didn't want the regulation without the relationship, that it's all about being in right relationship with Christ. They're walking through the fields, and the Pharisees are seeing the Messiah. These are the people who know the law. They know the word. They know the prophecies better than anybody else, and they didn't recognize Christ. They didn't recognize him for who he was because if they had, they wouldn't be worried about them plucking grains off of the wheat. They would have recognized Christ and understood that what his people were doing were rightly relating with Christ on the Sabbath. So it's all about abiding in Christ. It's all about learning from Christ and being in relationship and the purpose of the Sabbath is abiding in Christ. It's not, we, get to, we tend to think about honoring the Sabbath as just not doing any work. And it's not about idleness. I mean, it, look, even science has kind of realized that when it's tied to this religious observance, it's actually, it seems to do something different. And I think, again, if you go back to what we talked about being the, what the Sabbath was, it, the Lord had said, this is, this is gonna signify that I, the Lord your God, sanctify you. And when you enter into this time of being rightly related with me and abiding with me, then I can take over all those things that you felt you weren't doing adequately. All those, all those hindrances that you felt, that challenge you felt over these last weeks as we've encountered some of these themes, uh, the Lord says, just give those to me. Give those to me and I will give you rest. So it's all about, even from the first of creation, we see that everything is kind of pointing to the seventh day rest, that all of these things kind of end in the final culmination of being able to abide with Christ, abide with God, just like they did in the garden, dwelling with the God most high, and this idyllic kind of abiding, and that the pras- practice of Sabbath really just orients our lives around the rest found in Jesus Christ, and that he, you know, his death, his his rising again, and his ascending up to the Father was all just to show the coming of the rest that we're going to experience. But right now, it's kind of a Already, not yet. You've heard that people say that in in our Christian faith that that Christ has done these things but we're still here on this side of eternity so we don't quite quite see how to do that. Well, the Sabbath helps you with that. If you'll orient that 24-hour period to being in relationship with Christ, then you can enter into that rest. Going back to that verse that I read to begin with, again, remember Christ tells his disciples this just before they enter into that grain field just before they go in, he knows they're about to be challenged on this idea of Sabbath. And I want to reread this after hearing what we've just heard. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this this abiding in Christ leads us to that rest. When you, when you read about the yoke in the Old Testament, the yoke typically tended to talk about the law. Uh, and that was one of the references it was always used. So what Jesus is saying here is, uh, you guys have felt the weight of living under this law without being able to realize the benefit of the law. And that there's always a benefit of the law. The law is not just for the onerous observation of the law. The whole point of the law it, it, before Christ was to point to what was coming, and so here, Jesus is saying, I'm here. So this is the new yoke. This is the new observation. This is how you need to do it. Come and do what I show you. Enter into relationship with me, and I will give you rest. Remember back when in Exodus, and again, the, the law of the Sabbath was pointing towards the coming Christ. It was, coming, it was pointing towards that rest that could be achieved. And so when you go back and you think about that Exodus Verse again, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbath, for this is a sign between me and you, that throughout your generations, so yes, even now, throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. That if we enter into that rest, that relationship with Christ, that he will make us over. He will enable us to do all these other things. It's his job to perfect us. It's his job to to be the author and the perfecter of my faith. And he said, I, the Lord, will sanctify you. And just as that second worship song we, t- we sang says he won't fail. He will be diligent. He will succeed. So enter in this with him and accept his process of honoring the Sabbath. So we've talked about the priority of it. It's above all. We've talked about the process that we, he's calling us to kind of rightly orient our lives. You know, a lot of people argue whether is it, 24 straight hours, is it, you know, can I do two and a half hours a day? Can I do three hours a day? Uh, to me, the Lord says, orient your life. And if I'm orienting my life, well, then, then he's calling me to carve them some things out and to, and to put all of the other days into subjection to that seventh day. And so he's calling us to have 24 hours set apart but devoted to the Lord. It's not about what you... Do, don't do. It's about what you are going to do. See, the Pharisees got it wrong. They wanted to talk about what you weren't supposed to do. Everything was about what you're not supposed to do. And they're sitting around waiting for people to mess up. And the Lord says, no, it's not, it's not about what you're not going to do. It's about what you are supposed to do. Devote to the Lord. And then the purpose is that relationship with Christ, abiding in Christ. Set 24 hours a week to abide with Christ, to be in relationship with him. And this has all been about, you know, the why, I haven't gotten into too much about how because there's some danger in that. If I explain to you how you know, how I approach the Sabbath and how my family approaches the Sabbath, then you, you might be tending to have a, that prescription in your life and to go and, and devote that and to put that into place in your life. And that's not what it's about. It's about how is the Lord calling you into devotion with him? It's the But the why is the most important because if you just start doing this with him, because I know most of us don't, most of us don't. But if you will just start and take that first step into those waters and allow him to part that water for you, he will do it. It's all about what are the things that stir your affections to the Lord. So as you start engaging in this, if you start thinking, okay, yes, I want to do this. I want to I go into this with the Lord. Then just think about, it. does this stir my affections for the Lord or not? You know, for some people, I was at dinner with some friends last night and, and they, they talked about how they love gardening and they can get lost in gardening and it really—it seemed to really feed their soul to be in gardening. That is definitively not abiding work for me. Okay? (laughs) Abiding work for me is hiring a gardener. So that's what I mean. There's a difference. If something stirs your affections for the Lord, then you do it on that day. If something feels like work, don't do it on that day. If it feels like a distraction away from the Lord, don't do it. But if it draws you closer to the Lord, whether it's serving somebody else, and it might even be, it might even be something difficult that you're doing. But if it stirs your affection for the Lord, if it makes you feel a, a closer to Him, if you hear His voice speaking to you when you're doing it, by all means do those things on the Sabbath. So we're about to enter into expressions. And I'm gonna take a few minutes to set this up because I think, you know, expressions of worship, what we do at the end of our service is not just a, it's not just a, you know, kind of a conclusion to today's services. What we're really doing with expressions is that you take what you've heard, you take the challenges of God, you take the insight of God, you take the insight from his word, and then you do something with it. And so we've set this up, all the different elements of expressions of worship to be able to accommodate, no matter where you are, it's got some response that you can give. And so maybe today, that, uh, that idea of abiding in Christ, you're like, brother, I don't even understand what you're talking about. I have a hard enough time abiding with my family. How am I supposed to abide with somebody who's not even really, not there physically? Well, if you don't understand what I mean by that, oftentimes it's because you, you've, gotta, you've gotta get over that hump with the Lord, and you've gotta actually acknowledge that Jesus is Lord. And you give your life to him. And you say, Lord, I wanna be your child. And he has said, you don't have to get it right. You don't have to do anything right. All you have to do is acknowledge that you need me and declare that I am the Lord of your life. And so if if that's where you are today and you don't understand what it means to be in relationship with Christ, during expressions of worship, I wanna invite you. We've got pastors in the back in the prayer section. I wanna invite you to go back with them because I want to invite you to enter into prayer with them, with them right there alongside of you. And I'm going to lead you in prayer in a minute that's going to lead you through this too if you just want to stay in your seat. But there's something powerful to getting up, walking back, and declaring to the Lord, yes, you are my Lord. And that's what it takes to be called a child of the Most High God. That's what it takes to take on His yoke, to say, my yoke is too heavy. I can't bear it. I need you, Lord. Or maybe... Maybe you've accepted Christ and you've you've done that and you've been weighed down by the weight of of the sacrifice that he gave for you. And you wanna partake in that and you wanna have that cleansing ability to really enter into the sacrifice and truly appreciate what he's done for you. And you wanna come up and we're gonna offer you the bread and we're gonna offer you the cup. And this is where Jesus says, I'm laying it all out for you. On that sixth day, he laid it all out for us. He took on the ultimate sacrifice of breaking his body and pouring out his blood so that you could enter into that rest. And if you want to commemorate that and you want to have memory of that today and make it real, that his rest is not fake. His rest is not just some, some pie in the sky idea that it's real for you today. Come up and take the bread and take the cup and recognize and remember that Christ gave it all for you to enter into that rest. That's what it's all about. His coming, his death, his resurrection was all to bring you to this point to say, yes, Lord, it is all you. It is nothing in me. It is all you. And that's the point of the bread. That's the point of the cup is to remind us that he did it all. And maybe for you, you can't even do any of that because you walked in here today with something so heavy. Heavy. So weighing on your soul, something that you just can't put down, that is standing between you and an eternal God, is standing between you and the peace and the freedom of that true jubilee. And there's something that you just need to give him. And you know what he says? He says, come, come, I will take it. So we've got a cross up here that you can come and you can write anything you want on those pieces of paper. And I would encourage you to pin that to the cross This is a way of physically remembering that Jesus says, come to me all who are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And the way to enter that rest is to pin that burden on that cross and say, Jesus, this is yours. I don't want it anymore. And then pray that he helps you not take it up again in the future. And maybe for you, you get everything that I've talked about today. And you say, I just need you to get out of the way so I can get into his rest. And you just wanna stand up in your seat and you just wanna praise the eternal God, the all-powerful God. And you're ready for the worship band to come back on here and for this little man to quit droning on so that we can get on with being in the presence of God. And maybe that's what you want today. So I wanna encourage you, if you don't do anything else, stand where you are, raise your hands and enter into his presence and worship my God on high. Father, as we enter this moment, You have challenged us today again, but you have not challenged us into something that you have not equipped us to accept. Father, this idea of Sabbath and and really orienting our entire rhythm of our lives around you is important and it is above all. And so Father, as we enter into this moment of expressions, I just pray, Father, that you would help us Help us to see how you are calling us to be equipped. And Father, for those of us who maybe don't know you or or, are just getting into this faith journey and don't don't understand what's next, they've heard your call, they wanna respond and they don't know how. Lord, I accept that I need you. We accept, Father, that we can't do this without you. We also acknowledge today, Lord, that you have never called us to do so. You have never called us to be alone in this. You have never called us to do this in our own power. You have never called us to work this out on our own, but yet to accept the provision that you have given us. So Lord, we acknowledge to you today that we are fallen, that we are sinful, that we are apart from you. And just as your word tells us, Lord, we acknowledge that we can come to you for rest. And so Lord, we now acknowledge your preeminence, Lord, We acknowledge that Jesus is the son of God, that he came to take on our burdens and to take up our heavy yoke and to give us his. We acknowledge that his way is better and that we can't do it without you. And we acknowledge you as Lord today, Jesus. Come be Lord of our life and give us rest. And so father, we thank you for all that you've done for us today, for for showing us the light, for showing us how your seventh day rest is so important but that we get invited to walk out that seven day rest for the rest of our lives. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' holy name.